Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number eight of Mastermind.fm. Your hosts today are Ninja James Laws of Ninja Forms fame <laughs> and myself, Jean Galea from WPMayor.com. Thank you so much for joining us today as we talk about business products for WordPress. This is probably going to be a multi-part series of episodes as there's really so much we can talk about. And as we go along, we hope to have some input from you guys on the other end, as I'm sure there will be lots of questions that will crop up. And uh, to start off, James, I think we should make the distinction between the business model versus the development model, right? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, so like you said, this is going to be a, probably a series of episodes because there's so much content that can be covered here. And one of the things that we're going to get into is one of the business models, for instance, is the kind of the add-on business model. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but we don't want it to be confused with the idea of the add-on development model. Uh, because I think the add-on development model is one I think most developers would say is the right way to go, which is to keep your products lean and extensible so that you can add new features on top of them through modules or mini plugins, if you will. Um, but that's not the same as the business model where you sell those plugins. So you may have a add-on development model where the upgrade gives you access to lots of little modules that you can install and not actually even sell them individually. So just to kind of make that distinction that there are two ways of, of thinking about add-ons in WordPress. And just to get the development model out of the way, since we'll be talking about the business side, can we mention some examples of development models which people can take as, as a guide when building their own plugins? Yeah, so... Um, so looking at the like the add-on development model, you have a product like Affiliate WP, which is a premium product. You you buy your license with them, and they have lots of individual add-ons that let you to do let you do really cool things with affiliate marketing. Uh, and that that approach is works really well because it's easier to troubleshoot and debug a module, a single uh, plugin that does a single thing versus this kind of behemoth plugin. Um, you have almost the opposite in a plugin that's probably fairly familiar to most WordPress users is Jetpack. Now, Jetpack is this kind of behemoth plugin that has lots of individual, not even related modules. They do lots of different things. Um, totally the opposite side of the spectrum of an add-on development model. So those are two ways of doing it. And then there are others where you just simply build you know, a single plugin that does all the things that are relate to that plugin, and you don't separate things out into, fe into features. So uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head right off like that. I think more times than not, we have transitioned now to add-ons. Even even Gravity Forms is a premium product, but it's technically an add-on development model. You don't you, when you install Gravity Forms, you don't get everything. You have to install the add-ons for the specific things that you need. So I think it would be fair to say that anyone building at least some kind of bigger plugin should think in, term, in terms of extensibility, right? Is this what we're talking about here? Yeah, absolutely. I think you want you you want to keep your core plugin lean and extensible so that when you want to make modifications to it, you don't have to 
change add or add functionality to the core plugin, you can actually do that through an add-on, through just an, a little side plugin that then takes that one feature that maybe a user has requested or uh, that one feature that lots of users have requested and use that as a just a side plugin that extends the greater plugin. It's just so much easier to deal with too, from a, like I said, from a troubleshooting, uh, troubleshooting standpoint, when you get into a product and you're having you're having trouble. You can isolate just that add-on, and not it's, you don't necessarily have to look at everything that's going on in the core plugin. Yeah, and I think with the advent of the REST API now, we're going to see more and more plugins taking this extensible approach as they build custom APIs for their own plugins, so that they themselves and other developers can extend their plugins. And this can happen even with plugins that are not necessarily going to be released to the public, say an agency developing a custom solution for one of their clients. Like WooCommerce comes to mind as an example. I'm sure agencies can build um, custom dashboards for WooCommerce or similar plugins. And that's only because of uh, WooCommerce having an API itself and in the future probably moving towards implementing the REST API itself. Absolutely. I agree. Okay. So let's take a step back and go back to business models. So shall we start? I mean, there's loads of business models, although some of them might not be super obvious. I think we can start by the big ones, tackling the big ones like uh, the premium, the freemium, the free, such models. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, so, you know, let's, I guess let's start at the lowest common denominator, I guess. Let's talk about free. Uh, as as a business model. Now, right off, you might say, like, how do you make free a business model? Because you're just giving stuff away. Where is the business side of that? Um, but we we talked a little bit about this before the show, and there are some examples of using free as a catalyst or as a um, a channel into a paid service. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, let's remember that if we look back a few years. We could only find free plugins for WordPress. There were there weren't any premium plugins. I think they're a, quite a recent development in the history of WordPress. So in the early days, people just contributed plugins to WordPress purely, I would say, just because it was cool to do so, but also because you're building your, your reputation. Is that fair to say? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, when we got started, we had several free plugins that we had no intention of ever monetizing or making any money off of. And it was just a one, like you said, it was just cool that we could do it, that we could build something. And then once we'd built it, we thought, well, if other people want to use it, why keep it in-house? Let's go ahead and share that. That's kind of the spirit of the open source, uh, the whole open source ecosystem. But eventually, right, you want to start saying, what can we do to make money and sustain as a business? And that's when you start looking at um, building your reputation even further through like a freemium, freemium or free model, free model. Yeah, and I can say the same. As we mentioned in a previous episode, um, Aggregator also started off in the same way as NinjaForms as a tool we needed for ourselves. But let's take a look at some examples which people can be familiar uh, with. For example, BuddyPress, which is a, it's a, like a social network solution for WordPress built by Automatic themselves, as well as BBPress, which is a forum solution. And these are built by, both of them are built by Automatic. So in a way we can say, yeah, Automatic are 
are funded, they have lots of money, they can afford to develop features for WordPress which won't necessarily contribute to the bottom line. But let's take a look at another super famous plugin, Yoast SEO, which was known as WordPress SEO until recently. So we know that WordPress SEO or Yoast SEO was available for a number of years now, I guess, in free form and only the premium version only came to the market maybe one or two years ago. So what was happening in the, in the meantime? James? Yeah, so I think one of the key points to that, right, is Yoast was setting him up himself up over the years as uh, the expert as it pertains to search engine optimization. So he offered this free plugin that helped users optimize their sites as best as they could in a very simple interface inside of WordPress. But I think his greater service that he was providing, right, was audits of people's websites doing hand-holding SEO service. So that plugin worked as a great catalyst to introduce them to his brand as, he, as they were trying to do SEO. But if they wanted to go further, if their business was growing and they really wanted to polish that, they'd actually go to Yoast's website and hire him or his agency to kind of performance test his web, their website and say is it SEO optimized is it convert is it does it convert all of these types of things that he knows a great deal about so it was a great i think a great reputation builder and a great kind of uh i guess a first first look into his business yeah i think it was a very clever model and one can also say that it paved the way for him becoming one of the most sought after speakers in the WordPress track i'd agree with that all right so then there are other plugins like Contact Form 7, which is hugely popular in the form space that, as far as I know, is completely free with no strings attached. Is that correct? Uh, as far as I am aware, yeah. I mean, and, and really, it was one of the first Contact Form plugins, which is why it is constantly on the first page of most popular. Uh, one of the very first uh, plugins has not changed dramatically from the early days on how it works. Um, so I don't know if that keeps his support load down or not, but he actually, he obviously built something that he needed and shared it with the community. Um, and I'm not sure exactly how that affects him as a business, as a business model, but it's certainly done, hasn't done anything bad for his reputation as a contributing member of the community, which is awesome. Yeah, and some, some of these plugins are just a labor of love, really. There's also Qtranslate, which comes to mind. It's a multilingual plugin, Polylang, and Feed WordPress. These are all free plugins where the owner makes no income whatsoever related to the theme, to the plugin, sorry. Yeah. And, uh, well, the problem can be in the long run that support might be overwhelming. And if the plugin author then is overwhelmed by all the support, the reputation of the plugin can suffer. We all know that many people who are downloading WordPress have a lot of expectations. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> which, which surprisingly come into play even with a free plugin. So people will just leave bad reviews even though they got the plugin for free. That's why, in my opinion, there is a place for both a free plugin and a premium plugin that might do the same exact thing. But people who are using it for commercial purposes, for example, might want to, to pay for the premium support and for the guarantee that the plugin will be around in, say, five years' time. Now, I think 
we we kind of have a note on this, and I, I'll just bring it up now, even though it's at the bottom of our list. But when you're talking about free plugins, WordPress has a mechanism at which you can put in a donate link into your theme and so they are into your plugin uh, readme file and they can click on that link and donate to the to the plugin uh, but one of the things is you're probably not going to support yourself off of donations so it's not a great business model it's fine if you want to have it up there for people who want to contribute and you might find a nice person occasionally who says oh I, I use this and you've put a lot of hard work into it so here's some some money for that but by and large, most people just don't do that. I mean, we live in, we live in uh, unfortunately, like we said, there's lots of demands on free plugins. There is this expectation of entitlement that you've provided this product in this repo. Therefore, you have to give me everything that I want, even if your product doesn't do that. Like there is this mentality at times and people are more likely to complain than they are to praise, uh, to say how great something is. They're more likely to say that they don't like it. So a donation link doesn't just generally produce a lot. I have not talked to anybody yet who has used that and said, oh yeah, I make quite a bit of money through donations of my free plugin. <laughs> so, Yeah, I mean, I tried it myself uh, in the early days of Aggregator and I can share the grand total of donations was $20. <laughs> All right. And I, I, I wish I had the names of the two people, kind people who contributed uh, donations I remember one was from Germany and the other one from Switzerland and I, I was really happy but that was yeah. just as far as donations went you know and eventually we removed the link um, I think it's slightly different in the themes space where a free theme is actually super super important for making uh, your theme shop for getting your theme shop on the radar of people's minds you know and especially since wordpress.org and, and the theme sphere is such so important to get traction so i know for example people like the theme isle um, guys have a very popular theme called zerif and that's actually what drives most of the traffic back to their site where they can then sell premium plugins and themes. Yeah, another example of that was uh, Cyberchimps uh, and their responsive theme. Um, it was probably one of the most popular themes for the longest time. I don't know if it still is or not, but it was right along the, you know, right in the, among the top themes. And it drove a great deal of traffic, I would assume, to their more premium theme market space, marketplace that they had. Yeah, and uh, one thing I would mention is that for donations, it might be possible to support a blog by donations rather than a straight-up plugin or theme. So something that can be considered a WordPress business like WP Mayer, but maybe you want to support your blog through purely donations. And uh, there's a system called Patreon, which is what many bloggers are nowadays using to gather money to support their blogs. So one of the most famous blogs that is supported by donations that comes to mind is waitbutwhy.com. It has nothing to do with WordPress, but super popular blog. And yeah, that's the way it's funded. Very interesting. Well, I think uh, so that's kind of the, the free model, right? So we're talking about building reputation, driving traffic to your site where you may have other services. Those are That's definitely a model. Uh, and then the next, I, I think the next big one that we talked to, if we skip, I, I'm, I'm not going to jump right into freemium, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but talk about the premium space, which this is, I think, uh, a fairly popular space um, where 
You don't offer anything in the WordPress.org repo. You don't have a free offering at all. You just charge for the plugin, whatever it may be. And this could also be, again, we talked about that add-on development model. You may have add-ons, but really what you're selling is access to all of your add-ons, to your premium. And you may do a tier base where you have for a user, for a business, for an agency, or, or something of that nature. But you're pretty much just selling a premium, or I should say a paid. I, I don't like the term premium when we talk about this, but it's a, a paid product. Uh, I mean, we can also start by sharing a few of the most popular plugins, just to make sure we're all talking about the same thing here. Yeah. So I guess the most popular and one of the earliest plugins to adopt this model was Gravity Forms. Yep. And I believe they have a tiered model. Is that right, James? Yeah. So Gravity Forms has, um, I don't know exactly the name of their tiers, but they have three tiers. They have basically a lower, what I would consider like a single user tier, right? And then they have a middle tier, which is people who needing a little more functionality, install it on a few more sites. And then they have a developer model, which is their highest tier. Uh, but it's pretty much, you know, a paid product. Um, they have the core Gravity Forms plugin, and they have certainly plenty of add-ons that extend that feature, those feature set further. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a purely a paid product. Uh, another product in that space is Backup Buddy. Uh, doesn't have a free version, so you would go to uh, iThemes.com and they sell Backup Buddy there. We've we have a, quite a few on our list, right? Like WP Rocket is a uh, it's a caching plugin. Yeah, I guess. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's uh, one of the best caching plugins. And while we're at it, I think it would be good to discuss how premium plugins can generate enough traffic and how they can compete with other very similar plugins which are completely free. But before we get to that, I also would like to mention that the tiers can usually um, consist of either the number of, of installs of that plugin. So it's the same plugin, but one can have a single install. The next tier can have, say, 10 installs. And the third tier might be a developer license, which can be used on uh, many websites. Or there can also be an option for having a lifetime license. Although some plugins and themes offer lifetime licenses on all their tiers. The second way of tiering your plugin is by including different features or increasing features per higher price t- tier. So it's the same thing. And I, th- I believe Gravity Forms again employ this model where they're giving you more sort of mini plugins that go with each tier. Yeah, they're actually kind of a hybrid of the two examples that you just gave, right? So they have their first tier is one site and just the the main plugin. Their second tier is, I think, most of their mailing list add-ons and up to three sites or five sites. I'm not sure, like a small number of sites, but more than one. And then their developer tier is everything, all of their add-ons that they have available and um, and unlimited sites. Right. So there's also plugins that are available on Code Canyon, things like uh, Royal Slider or Visual Composer. And obviously Code Canyon and other marketplaces are a way of getting the traffic, which would otherwise be impossible, especially if you're not listed on WordPress.org. Yeah, I think that's a that's the probably the biggest challenge of having just a paid product is your your marketing model has to be more intentional. 
uh, whether it be by doing you know something like Google AdWords or Facebook ads or um, sponsoring certain blogs that are popular in the WordPress ecosystem and getting your ads up there. A good affiliate program is a, another great way of doing it. But you don't have the .org repo uh, to drive traffic to you, or if you're in Code Canyon or any of the Envato Marketplace or Creative Market, you don't have that built-in traffic to come to your site. So you're you're having to really build that yourself from scratch and build that reputation. That is a challenge with a a paid product, a paid-only product. Yeah, I think Gravity Forms were very clever in their launch when they offered basically their plugin for a very cheap price, and it was a lifetime license. So the early adopters could really reap the benefits long term. Plus, they had a very good affiliate program, so that helped spread the word. One must also consider that at the time, there weren't many competitors and WordPress was still in its, say, infancy compared to what it is now. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, when you're the only when you're the only game in town and you have a, a paid solution, there's not a bunch of other people also asking for your money. So when you're running a business and you need something as important and crucial as a form plugin, and there's only one one person, well, that's easier to make that decision to spend money on that. But now you have e-commerce solutions and caching solutions and security solutions and backup solutions and membership solutions, and all of these cost money. The cost to run your website now has gone up, and people are going to be a little more choosy about what products they pay for and what products they don't. And so people who are listening might be wondering when is the best or when is the ideal scenario when they could go for a premium only plugin. And I could just start by mentioning WP Rocket, which I believe what enabled them to go for the premium model was that they were vastly better in terms of usability and ease to set up their plugin compared to other solutions out there. Right. They boast, right, a no settings setup, right? You basically activate the plugin and it does what it's supposed to do. So that is huge from a user perspective to because if you've ever used any of the other caching solutions, there are like so many options, hundreds and hundreds of options, and you get confused and you don't know what they all mean and you don't know what the what the you know expectation or the ramifications of setting a certain thing a certain way might be. And so a, a single activate, yeah, that's a huge thing. So they did the right thing, right? They went into, a, I would say, a fairly saturated market, right? Caching plugins is a saturated market. There's a lot of different caching solutions. But what they did is they found the biggest pain point the users feel in that space and they exploited it. They said, we're going to solve that problem. Now, they probably cache just as well as any other caching plugin, but that one single thing to be able to not have to worry about settings was a huge sell for users. So yes, I agree. They, they did a really good job with that. And I think they're doing a great job with their content marketing as well. Yeah. So they have some transparency reports. They released the salary grid of all their employees. So they're marketing themselves as a very friendly young company, which is there to help WordPress users and make things easy for them. Absolutely. Another plugin which uh, is premium only is Search WP. Yeah. And I think what really made this made this successful is the fact that it, it's unique and it's functionality. I mean, there were some other sort of uh, really not not so successful attempts at improving the WordPress search functionality. But I think Search WP was the first one to really focus on it in a meaningful way. 
Yeah, they they uh, Jonathan uh, with Search WP has done a really good job of creating a tool uh, that. I think is extremely effective at this. I've used other tools. There's, there's another tool called Relevancy. Yeah. I think is another one that tries to improve search, and I used that one um, primarily in the beginning before Search WP came around. And I think the pro so a problem. So here's another situation of like problems with paid products. The problem with Search WP is most people don't understand how broken WordPress search is unless you are like ingrained in WordPress. You don't realize that it's just not a good search solution. So he has to do, you know, kind of bend over backwards to really make the problem um, very clear so that people can see the difference. And he's doing a good job of that on his site. He's made some some different content changes and side-by-sides showing the, the results that come. Um, but he has some great solutions like being able to search post-meta and things like that, that that other search solutions just don't do a great job of. Yeah, and perhaps uh, going back to the question of how to get the traffic, uh, if you don't have a particularly unique plugin, perhaps the best way to go about it is just to put your plugin on a marketplace such as Code Canyon. I mean, taking a look at the most popular plugins on Code Canyon, uh, we can see Visual Composer and Royal Slider. Now, I can probably list more than 10 sliders in one, in one breath. So. <laughs> And the visual composer, I mean, there's lots of composers uh, out there. But the fact that they're on Code Canyon with so much traffic every day makes them really successful. Yeah, I think it's a great starting point, right? If you don't want to have to mess with building an e-commerce solution and and all that comes in, all the kind of the administrative headache that comes with having to build an e-commerce site and you just want to get a product out there, Something like Code Canyon can be a great solution. Matter of fact, uh, Pip and Williamson, which you know most people have know are very familiar with him, got to start there. Like he's he, that's where he first started selling his plugins, and now he has this huge easy digital downloads plugin and affiliate WP and Restrict Content Pro, all of these separate branded products that he sells on his own site. But he didn't start there. He started just getting into a marketplace and selling uh, some plugins there. Yeah, and let's face it, it's a huge challenge for many people to set up their own e-commerce store all the accounting and taxes that go into it plus support and everything so really just uploading your plugin in its most simplistic form um, as a process and selling it from on another website and just getting your cut of the commission every month is very simple compared to selling it yourself yeah i agree completely Perhaps uh, Team Forest is where people have been even more successful than Code Canyon. We have people who have um, surpassed 10 million in sales. Like last month, there was this news of Avada, which is a multi-purpose theme, which normally we wouldn't recommend people use. But that's a separate discussion altogether. But it, this is run by two guys, one who is based in, in the US and the other in Pakistan. And together they've made more than 10 million in revenue, which is like amazing. Yeah, no, it's crazy. And uh, so, yeah, theme, themes are doing really well over at Theme Forest. Um, now, I think the caveat to that is you have to say is, it's a small percentage of people who make it to that kind of success in the theme space. Um, but you can, it's a perfect example that you can find it. Like I have a friend who uh, sells themes over there and he does really well, but he's not, you know, he's not selling Avada, you know, for making 10 million in lifetime sales, but he's doing really well. Um, but 
if you know what you're doing and you can provide a good solution, yeah, you can you can do really well in a marketplace like that. Great. So do you have anything else to say about the premium model? Uh, no, I think that I think we covered it. There's a lot of great, like I said, there's a lot of great plugins there. And uh, I think we're pretty good to, to wrap this episode up, I think. Yeah, I think we can stop there and we'll continue obviously next time with some more models to use. And uh, yeah, we encourage people to send in their questions, even about what we spoke to about today. Uh, yeah, uh, if you want to send in questions to us, you can, of course, go to mastermind.fm and we have a form there that you can fill out. Or you can just send us an email at podcast at mastermind.fm. And we would, be, we would love to get your emails. Those come directly to us and we can maybe fashion an episode or answer your questions as a part of another episode that we're recording. So we'd definitely love to do that. But also, if you don't mind, uh, we... we really love feedback. So it's really important for you if you're listening to this podcast and you enjoy it and you find value in it to leave us a review. Uh, you can go over to iTunes and, and leave us a review there. We really appreciate that. In fact, we, if you don't mind, uh, John, you would care if I read one as we kind of share? Sure. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> one thing I noticed is that iTunes has this um, regional um, pages so if you go to the u.s site uh, you'll only see one review at the moment as we're recording this episode but other countries have um, reviews which don't show up on the u.s and so every country has its own reviews which is a bit silly but um, uh, that's how it is so today i think we can start off by reading donaka's review which we didn't invent it's on the <laughs> uk version of itunes for anyone who wants to verify and yeah, that's it. Maybe James can go ahead and read the, the review by Donaka. Yeah, so Donaka sent this review again. It's on the UK iTunes, so you can read it for yourself. But we just wanted to kind of say thank you to him for taking the time to give us this feedback. And this is what he had to say. He said, there has been an explosion of startup and entrepreneurial podcasts. The quality varies greatly, but this new one goes straight to the top of my list, alongside startups with the rest of us. James Laws and Jean Galea, uh, each already highly regarded in their fields, both have deeply considered perspectives, but their approaches to life and business are different enough to generate some very interesting discussions. I have picked up useful ideas in each episode so far. The atmosphere is relaxed, friendly, and fun, as you would expect from two guys who have been having regular mastermind sessions together. Both speak well, and the different accents make it very easy to keep track of who is saying what. Jean is from Malta, a European island nation where English is an official, is an official language. He speaks with an accent, but very clearly, absolutely fluent. Uh, James is an American, but it's still possible to understand him. <laughs> <laughs> Mastermind.fm is young, but it is already clear that this f formula has legs. I expect to be an avid listener for years to come. Uh, Donica, thank you so much for leaving that review and taking that nice jab at my American accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, Donica. And uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Jean Galea and James. You can find me at uh, James Laws on Twitter or JamesLaws.com. Great. So you can also submit questions on the mastermind.fm website and subscribe over there as well. Thanks, guys. Take care. And we'll see you in the next episode of mastermind.fm. See you next time. Bye.